you know, I was uh, <clears throat> preaching a message on Sunday, faith makes a demand. And so tonight I wanted to go into uh, some more detail on that message, uh, faith that makes a demand too. I like to teach on faith because the just shall live by faith. Amen. Live, you must live by your faith, not on grandma's faith or mama's faith. It's your faith. It makes the difference. So let's just lift our Bibles up, wave them around, make Jesus glad and the devil mad. Let's say this together. Say, Heavenly Father, I'm ready for my faith to be fed tonight. I thank you for the Word of God and for the Holy Ghost. I'm growing from strength to strength, from faith to faith, and from glory to glory, and from victory to victory. In Jesus' name, <laughs> amen. Doesn't that make you feel good to say that? Amen. All right. Uh, tonight, we want to look at John chapter 15, uh, verse 7. And, of course, it's in red. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. Again, it's on the night before he was crucified. And he said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. So uh, here again, as we see these verses, uh, we see the word ask. You ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. The word again, as we said Sunday uh, morning, the word ask means to call for, to require, or to demand your due. Uh, and of course, we're, it, it's referring to making a demand on your covenant. It's not demanding from God. God's not the one withholding anything from you. We don't have to shake our fist and pound the table and make a demand on God himself. But he wants uh, to know that you know what belongs to you. And to make a demand on your covenant, to demand the devil or the problem or the, or the poacher or the trespasser or the squatter to leave right now, <laughs> the pain and uh, whatever it is uh, to go in Jesus' name, to make a demand and so here tonight we see, now, you know, Sunday we talked John chapter 14. It said much the same thing. We ministered on a verse there. So, you, so the second time on the evening before he's crucified, he brings up this word ask, which means to make a demand. And he's teaching his disciples to be bold in faith, to not be mealy-mouthed when they're asking. It's not begging. Asking is not begging. Uh, and so tonight when he says, ask what you will, what you will, not what grandma wills, not what anybody else wills. What do you want to happen? You make the demand based on your covenant. And uh, uh, whatever it is that you desire about the situation. Uh, some have said, oh gosh, that just can't be right. That's just not. See, many people have been just religiously brainwashed. They've been taught theories. I like what Brother Hagin's uh, definition of a theory. Theory is, is uh, a supposition based on ignorance of the subject under discussion. <laughs> That's all you get in some places, just theories. No, this is the word. This is what Jesus said. It's a simply a matter of looking up in your concordance what a word means in the, in the Greek. And, and I've just simply told you what Jesus said and what it means. It means to make a demand. And so that doesn't mean beg. It doesn't mean, oh, poor me. It means you know what belongs to you. Now here he has, some, uh, he has an if, verse 7. He said, if 
Number one, you abide in me. And number two, my words abide in you. So there's two conditions to see whether or not your demand will be granted. The first one, if you abide in me. Well, uh, the minute you got saved, we're taught in the word that, that the, that, uh, the uh, Holy Ghost baptizes you into the body of Christ. You become one with him. So you abide in Christ. When you get saved, you are in Christ automatically. It's not whether you feel like it one minute and don't feel like it the next minute. It's something that happens when you're born again. You are in Christ. That's the legal side of it. A lot of people don't live like they're in Christ. They live like they're still on their own. <laughs> and so that's how important it is for you to meditate. You know, we've been doing a series of messages that are strung together. We started off with the power of uh, uh, hope, uh, power of uh, positive expectation, I should say. And, uh, and then we went into uh, meditating the word, how important it is, because that leads to success. And meditation is not just thinking, it's speaking. And then we talked about confession builds your supply chain. And so now we're on faith makes a demand. So if you really kind of hook these messages together so that, you know, what I want to do as pastors, I want to give you the big picture of faith. I want to be, be able to connect the dots and give you plenty of information where you can check up on yourself, look into the mirror of the word and see where you are. And hopefully you'll move up from, uh, to the next level of your faith. You know, God doesn't want you to stay in the kindergarten. He wants you to go on up. He wants you to move on up the ladder. And of course, we can't stop at top, uh, start at the top of the ladder. We have to start where we are. Everybody starts at the same place when you're a baby Christian. But hopefully as time goes on, and you come to Glorious Way Church. I'm going to teach you on faith, and your faith is going to come up a few notches. We never graduate, but we do progress. Amen. And so he said if these two conditions are met, you can ask what you will. Ask what you will. Ask what you desire, what you will. What do you want to happen? And it shall be done unto you. What an amazing amazing statement that Jesus has made. But these two conditions. So condition one is pretty much automatic. You do abide in Christ. You need to know that's why you ought to be meditating on who you are in Christ, what you have in Christ, what Christ is doing right now at the right hand of the Father, what his ministry is today. You know, he's not just sitting up there just kind of sitting on his throne doing nothing. No, he's got things that he's doing. You ought to know what he's doing. He's a high priest of your profession. He's watching over his word to perform it. There's all kinds of things that Jesus is doing right now. And then the second condition, and my words abide in you. Now, this is where uh, you have a choice in the matter because his word abiding in you means uh, your, his word does abide in you to the degree that you live by them or to the degree that those words govern you. And so that's all on you. That's your choice. That's the ch decisions that you make day by day and multiple times a day. Are you going to walk according to the word? So for most people, there's a gap. There's a gap. There's a gap between what they know and what they do. <laughs> and my job is to give you the information that will close that gap. And so that you will 
act on the word on in all, every case that you won't spend time having a pity party when you're going through trouble but you'll find out immediately what does the word say about my situation and then you'll begin to take the word of God and act like it's so amen so those two conditions uh, you abide in me well check that if you're born again and then number two my words abide in you well, that's whether they, you know, you're living by the word to the degree that you live by the word. Maybe we're not all perfect. Of course we're not. We're all growing in that area. But the greater we live by the word, the greater we're able to make demands on our covenant. Hallelujah. <laughs> so when both those conditions are met, you will know what belongs to you. You're not going to just pray some outlandish prayer. You're not going to you know, come up with some fanciful uh, desire and, and specific prayer about something or claim something that doesn't belong to you. You know, I knew a woman one time when I was first saved and uh, she's coming to my Bible study that I was going to. I'd been saved about three weeks. And uh, she, uh, and I was a home builder in those days, and I was building houses in this particular subdivision that I lived in. That's where we were having the Bible study. And uh, this couple came from, and they were, you know, I knew them from Lakewood. They didn't know who I was, but I knew who they were. They were kind of, you know, maybe VIPs, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, uh, she and the lady that was directing the Bible study started talking. She said, oh, I saw that house over there. So-and-so built it. I'm believing. I'm claiming that house. He's not going to be able to sell that house. I'm going to buy it. Well, immediately when I heard that, I knew in my spirit that was wrong. I mean, that's covetousness. You don't have the money to buy that house, sweetie pie. I mean, this house back then was like a $200,000 house, and that would be like $600,000 now. And, uh, and I, I thought, you know, that's not right. I mean, that house had been sitting for quite some time. I knew the builder, and I knew that he needed to sell it. And here she is trying to interrupt that process and use her faith to say, no, you can't sell it to anybody. I'm going to have it. It's mine. But she didn't have the money to buy it. Say, what is that? Well, that's covetousness. Actually, that's witchcraft. And being a baby Christian, I've been three weeks old in the Lord. I knew about that better than she did. I mean, there's not everybody knows what I'm preaching about tonight. Not everybody has a working knowledge of the rules. <laughs> you know, she didn't have the word of God abiding in her. Or she would have known that's not right. That's not faith. That's foolishness. Actually, what that is is presumption. And so, um, and sure enough, that house didn't sell. And it, the bank did take it and it foreclosed on it. The guy lost his house and uh, didn't get a, a, any credit for building a house. You know, he built it for nothing. In fact, it cost him money. And she didn't wind up with it either. <laughs> I mean, it made me wonder for a while, you know, whether, whether that witchcraft really entered into it or not. I don't know that it did. But that's not how to do things. So when you really have both of these working, that you abide in him and his word abides in you, you won't ask some foolish thing. You will know what belongs to you. You will know to stay within the faith that you have, uh, that you have in your grasp. And, of course, God's going to move you from one level to, a net, to the other. And, uh, you know, I remember Brother Hagin just having to believe God for enough money to have a Christmas for his kids. 
You know, when he started preaching on the field, I mean, that's what he could, all he could have the faith for was just enough to pay his bills and have a little bit extra for the kids at Christmas. I mean, it was skinny. And uh, he and Aretha, would, he'd be gone and they'd have to agree on $300 for Christmas or $200 extra for Christmas and things like that. And he progressed in his ministry till, till finally, you know, he believed God for a million dollar one-time gift for his ministry, which came in. And after it came in once, it, started, it came in many times. It, it came in on a regular basis like it broke a dam open. See, so Brother Hagin had to grow in his faith. We also have to grow and progress in ours. And so, uh, when you have both of these uh, conditions that Jesus is talking about, then when you bear fruit, what does it mean to bear fruit? Well, in this case, he's not talking about love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, and all that. He's not talking about the fruit of the Spirit. He's talking about the fruit of your faith. In other words, when you get what you desire, God is glorified. That's what he says. He said, Here is my, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. God wants you to have everything that you desire. He's not chinchy. He's not the one holding anything back. Always remember the demand is on the devil to get his hands off of your goods. Amen. And so when you ask or when you demand under those conditions, it, this is Jesus talking, it shall be done unto you. <laughs> oh, come on, lift your hand right now. What, a, what an amazing statement that Jesus has given us. I mean, he just opened the checkbook and said, all right, son and daughter, just get in there and get whatever you want. Oh, wow, what a father we have. You know, years ago, um, it was in, uh, <clears throat> oh, I guess the late 80s, probably 80. 1989, I had been back in the home, no, actually 91, about 1991, I was back in the home building business, and I had a house that was for sale in West University Place, it just finished up, and, and of course, when a house finishes up, that means there's no cash flow, I mean, that means all the money's going out of your company <laughs> to pay interest, <laughs> and you want to make sure you sell that house real soon, and it hadn't sold yet. And, uh, but yet, uh, I was sitting on the house one weekend just to see on Saturday, see if anybody would come by and I could talk to them and sell them the house. It was listed with a realtor, but they don't sit there, you know, they just wait for their phone to ring. Well, that, that wasn't good enough for me. I wanted to intercept somebody. <laughs> and sure enough, a couple came in and I talked to them a long time, showed them through the house and they were two engineers and they had a, a lot that was out in near Rosenberg. And, uh, and they were interested maybe in building a custom home. So ultimately what I, what I wound up doing, that house didn't sell right away. So I made a deal that I wouldn't normally do. I, I made a deal to build them a custom home on their lot. And that, that house would be 57 miles each way from my home in spring to, to that job site. And, uh, and I gave them, you know, gave them the price. I built it cost plus a fee. So uh, they, they agreed to that. That way I'm protected. Whatever my costs were, here's, here's how the house is going to look. It looks like this house right here. And uh, this is the price. And then you're going to pay me X number of dollars plus that. You know, I think it was 20000 Cost plus 20000 Not a percentage, but a figure, a fee. And they agreed. 
And so we started construction. Well, you know, you take a few, a few drives to that construction site, it's in the middle of nowhere. There's country roads for miles, and there's nobody out there in those years. And I've got a car that's got 270,000 miles on it. It was an overhaul, the engine and transmission, at 140,000. So it's got 130,000 on an overhaul. And, uh, you know, being an engineer myself, I know that that thing is not probably not going to be able to hold up to the rigors of that trip. Because i got to drive out there and back every day, plus I've got to go to Westview. And I've got to make a circle there, kind of a little bit, traffic. And so I went to the Lord about it, and I, and I pled my case. I said, Lord, you know, your word says, let the word abide in you. Give it, shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. I said, Lord, you know I'm a tither and a giver. And further that, you said, you know, whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. You know that I've sown cars. I have given cars. And, uh, and I went down the list of the cars that I had given. <laughs> and I said, you know, in spite of that, I've, I've, the bank has taken three of my cars uh, uh, several years ago. Three cars that I lost to the bank because of business. And I said, so, you know, it's not going the right direction. <laughs> I, you know, I just want, want you to know I want to make a demand on my covenant. I believe I have a car coming because I've sown cars, and, uh, and, and I need one. And I'm not particular about the make or the model or the year or the color. I just want a car that will be dependable to get me through this job. It's going to take me at least six months to build this house. And then after that, I'll be able to breathe, and I can either make other arrangements later. But the car that I have right now, it's not going to make it that long. It's just not. It's got a finite life, and I've used it up, Lord. Thank God it's been as dependable as it's been, but I need another car, so I just believe I receive it. See, based on these verses, based on John 15, 7, I said, thank you for it, Lord. I'm making it a man on my covenant. Devil, take your hands off my transportation. Take your hands off the people that are supposed to give me this car. See, men shall give unto your bosom. I mean, it's not going to be drop out of the sky on top of you. You know, Chevrolet's not going to call you from the factory and say, we've got a brand new Chevy for you. Come and get it. I mean, you know, people are going to give you the car somewhere, some way. I was the person that gave cars, and now somebody's going to give me one. And then I just praised him. Every time I thought about it, I'd thank him for the car. So about a month later, a dear friend of mine, still a friend today, young man at that time called me and uh, he said brother Griner he's very formal with me because he's younger so he always was very respectful he could have called me John if he wanted to but he never would do that he called me you know either Mr. Griner or brother Griner he said uh, I've got something I got to run by he said I I was driving down the car my car the other day and uh a rock flew up and broke my windshield, and it cracked it all the way through, and I was so aggravated. You know, God's, God said that he would protect my assets, and, and here that rock, you know, had flown up and cracked it. And, uh, but the day before, he had, you know, I'd heard this voice tell me to give my car away. And I said, this can't be God. It's the only car I've got, and I have to have it. I'm not going to give this car and then the next day, here this rock flies up and breaks my windshield. 
And he said, and that's not all. I said, oh, you got more? He said, yeah. He said, you know, then after that, I'm driving down the road and I wind up at a red light and I get into a fender bender with an 18-wheeler and my back uh, uh, passenger door is caved in and I got a ticket and uh, for illegal lane change. And I, he said, I, 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 it just really wasn't my fault. He cut in front of me. And he said, I just, and after that all happened, I just said, God, what is going on here? I don't, this is not right. I busted my windshield and, and now I've got this, this damage to the car and I've got a ticket. And he said, well, I told you to give your car away. And he said, well, that's not right. I don't have another car. What am I going to do for a car? I have to go to college. He was still in college at the time. I've got to get to class. I have no other way to go to my part-time job, go to class. He said, I I just have to have a sign. I've got to have a sign. You're going to have to give me chapter and verse. Just like this, Matthew 16, 4. And boy, I've really got my attention by this time. I couldn't wait to hear the story. And uh, he said, so I, man, I drove to my apartment and I bounded out of the car. I ran up the stairs. I got in my apartment. I ran to my Bible. I opened it up and I found Matthew 16, 4, a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign and no sign shall be given it but the sign of the prophet Jonah. <laughs> And oh, I laughed. I laughed and laughed and almost just splitting my sides. And, uh, and I said, so what's your question? He said, well, my question is, before I give it away, do you think I need to fix the windshield and the damage to the door? And I said, oh, Thad, I hate to tell you this, but <laughs> would you give God a, a one-eyed lamb? <laughs> He said, I knew you were going to say that. You're the one I'm supposed to give it to. I said, oh, no. He said, oh, yes. Oh, yes. So he was the one that was supposed to give me his car. And he was in disobedience. And so he (laughs) he had all this difficulty until he obeyed God. God said, I'm not giving you a sign, the sign of the prophet Jonah. Well, Jonah got swallowed by the whale, remember? Don't tell me God doesn't have a sense of humor. But you know, God honored my demand. And I said, well, Thad, this is God. And I told him my side of the story. And he drove a 1983 Mercedes 300 diesel. It's a five-cylinder diesel. It had 160,000 miles on it. For that car, that's just getting broke in. And it was a good, solid car. And I put another hundred and almost 140,000 miles on it before it fell apart several years later <laughs> but you know it got me it, it answered my it answered my demand and God had to move in and, and why, what about you weren't particular well I hear people give testimonies about being real particular about things and I always know that if it comes through man's hands the more particular you are the longer it's going to take <laughs> so you just better keep that in mind I knew that so I said I don't care what brand I don't care what color I don't care what it looks like I would have been perfectly happy with a cracked windshield and a mashed-in passenger door. It didn't matter to me, but it mattered to him. He needed to get maximum return on his blessing. He wasn't just giving it to me. He was giving it to God. Are are y'all following me there? So, So what God was glorified because I received my need met. 
God was glorified because he obeyed God in meeting that need. Hallelujah. And so receiving what's yours is really a sign that you are a disciple. He said, so shall you be my disciples. When you get your needs met like this, when you make demands that are, that are granted, then you're my disciples indeed. Praise God. <laughs> and so that's proof that you are. Faith makes a demand. Come on, lift your hands and receive tonight. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I just believe the wheels are turning in your life. And uh, as we preach on faith, I mean, I preach the things that, that I take for granted because and out of my own personal experience, I've proven these things out over many years. They work. And uh, God is glorified. It's, uh, see, religion will tell you that it's insulting to God. But God's got the opposite. No, no, that's how glor God is glorified is when you get your needs met. Hallelujah. Amen, amen.